This is The Joe Gaither Show on BamaCentral.com. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa, Internet World, West Alabama, everywhere you're watching The Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. I hope you're having a beautiful Tuesday. Of course, this is The Joe Gaither Show. You're listening to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. You can find us at Joe Gaither 6 on all your social media machines and at Bama Central on the YouTube channel or BamaCentral.com on your World Wide Web. Thanks so, so much for everybody who's watching us, who's subscribed, rating, and reviewing the show, and who's uh, also participating and downloading uh, Blue Collar Unplugged, our other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcast with Blake Byler, Jacob Pickle, and Matthew Gibson, our guys, Blue Collar Unplugged. They're going to have a huge week ahead with College Game Day coming to town, and obviously it's a big basketball week. Okay, so what are we going to do on this Tuesday? First off, full disclosure, I got a bunch of notes, but they are all over the place. The ADD, ADHD has been going crazy today. It's been a hard track to focus everything in. So I appreciate everybody who's joining us on the comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, at JoeGather6, or who's uh, just putting up with all our nonsense here at BamaCentral.com. What I want to do is I want to talk about the NFL Combine and how it relates to the Alabama players who are participating up there in Indianapolis. I also want to talk about Alan Flanagan and the SEC not suspending him for tomorrow night's game against the Alabama Crimson Tide. I want to talk a little bit. I want to go back to the Cam Newton fight yesterday. I feel like we left a fun conversation on the table there by by, by just uh, barely mentioning the Cam Newton fight. We want to kind of say who in the NFL would you maybe not want to fight or would you want to fight as quarterback-wise? There are four former Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL. Would you want to fight any of them or none of them? Uh, you can, we can talk about that as well. And then, oh, uh, look, Joe Lenardi put out new bracketology. Alabama still at three. I went through the uh, through the pod, the Memphis pod that Alabama is put into, the regional, and obviously it's just projection. But we looked at the opponents, and we're going to decide if Alabama can get to the Sweet 16 or not. All right, let's start with uh, – <laughs> Let's start with the NFL draft or and the NFL combine. Okay, in Indianapolis this week, you can follow it on BamaCentral.com, on MizzouCentral.com, and CowbellCorner.com. You can be following the NFL combine up in Indianapolis. Uh, okay, it started really yesterday. The drills get going on Thursday. Uh, lots of interviews happen tomorrow, medical checks, everything that happens in Indianapolis. It's a huge job interview. From the Alabama perspective, you got Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, Justin Aboigby, J- Jalen Key, Kuei McKinstry, Terry and Arnold, Jermaine Burton, J- Jace McClellan, and J.C. Latham all taking part in the combine are all going to Indianapolis, uh, at least to participate and show their faces. Uh, look, here's the thing on the combine. It doesn't help or hurt. It doesn't. It's not going to help your draft stock at all. It's not going to help your draft stock at all. You go to the you go to the NFL Combine, and you know you you're all familiar with the drills: the bench press, the the three cone shuffle, the forty yard dash. Just depends on whatever uh, drill specifics uh, position position. Excuse me, position specific drills uh, that they have. If obviously if you're quarterback, you're throwing. If you're a receiver, you're running routes. This, that, and the other. 
but it doesn't help at all. Think about it. Come on. Can you throw out anybody that has gone to the combine as a later round pick and improved so much or impressed so much that they became a mid round pick or went from the mid rounds to the first round? The only thing the NFL combine can do is hurt your draft stock. Why? You hurt your draft stock by getting a bad medical check. You can be like our friend Reuben Foster a couple of years ago and get thrown out of the combine because uh, maybe some behavioral issues, but it was the medical check that in the place where he had his controversy. They want to find out who's had knee surgeries, whose knees are going to last another 10 years, whose hips are going to last. What about shoulders? You know, these, uh, you know, ballpoint joints are not, you know, not, not as straightforward. Uh, and so, and so, so the medicals are very, very important. They can hurt your draft stock. You can also hurt your draft stock by getting onto the bench press and putting up a five or getting on the 40 yard dash line and putting up a 5.2. There is no point in participating in the combine past the medical checks and the interviews. None, none at all. You go and you say, oh, I'm a quarterback. You look at Caleb Williams, you look at Drake May, you look at some of these top end quarterbacks, Jaden Daniels. Look, you watched, you got 12 games of film to watch them to see if they can make the throws, to see if they can make the reads. Who is evaluating or putting weight on these quarterbacks' performances in Indianapolis in scripted passing drills when you're when you're passing, you know, in t-shirt and underwear, and there's no pass rush on you where you're throwing to unfamiliar wide receivers who you just met two or three days ago like there's no value to it there's no value to being Chris Braswell and doing the three to uh, three cone drill now a lot of these Alabama guys will participate in the drills you're not seeing a lot of Alabama players uh opting out of the drills yet we'll see we'll follow it we'll follow it but like what's the value in Terry and Arnold running the 40-yard dash you can put the film on and see that he keeps up with every S- every SEC receiver that he was lined up against this past year. And so what's the value? Who cares if Kool-Aid McKinstry runs a 4-4 or runs a 4-8? We know what he's done on film for the last three years. You go to our friend, Dr. Matt Ray, who is a former Alabama uh, performance and strength and conditioning coach, uh, and he basically outlines – that it's pointless to go to the combine and do these drills. Why? Because you have catapult data. Look, the analytics, show, you can measure, you can go right now and put the film on it and, and basically measure who's the fastest because of the catapult system at practice. But on in the game film, the, you look at, uh, what is it, NFL analytics, uh, NFL next gen, the next gen stats. That's what it is. Uh, they basically have all these guys chipped up. And so when... Amari Cooper runs down the sidelines and hits 18 miles an hour. They can put that on, they can figure that out in game action, in live game action, not in the drills, not in underwear, not in t shirts. And so, what's the point of going there? The point is the NFL uses the combine and the NFL uses the combine as a um, kind of as a power play, as a ploy. Uh, look, you're about to get in, you know, not, not necessarily as a not a hazing ritual. I don't want to say that, but it is almost like a fraternity type. You need to see how you do at the combine. You know, they put them through the ringer. They give the interviews. They ask him all kinds of inappropriate questions. You remember Des Bryant? Uh, they asked Des Bryant how he felt about his mother being the lady of the night. And that was a little, that's inappropriate. You know, you get asked, the random questions, oh, if you were an animal, what would you, what animal, what kind of animal would you be? Because they're trying to look inside the minds of these guys before they pay them millions and millions of dollars. It's kind of a power play to where they know you have to come to the combine if you want to get into the league, if you want to get drafted. Now, you don't have to. 
guys have opted out of the combine or guys have just gone. Look, the prospects are getting drafted in the first round and the second round and the third round. You know, they don't really need to be there. The only thing you can do is hurt your, is, is, is hurt your draft stock. Hey, look, you see how valuable it is when you look at, at uh, several of the NFL coaches who aren't even showing up because they, they have the information on the film from their actual college seasons when they're playing real football. Who cares about the Underwear Olympics? Now, the NFL also does it secondarily to stay relevant. It's February 27th. You're sitting here two months, uh, you know, three weeks uh, from the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is a couple weeks ago, and you're sitting there. The draft is what, Mar uh, February, March, April, uh, third week of April. So you've got, what, six weeks until the draft? You've got to capture and keep everyone's attention. The NFL does a magnificent job of being a year-round sport. Everybody always thinks about it as August to February. But with the events like the Senior Bowl a couple of weeks ago and the Combine this week, the NFL maintains its we're staying in the news stream. We're staying in front of your face. Uh, so, look, we've done this with the Senior Bowl. Uh, we'll do this again with, with, with the Combine. Who is this most important for? J.C. Latham, Jermaine Burton, Jace McClellan, Jalen Key, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry Arnold, Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, and Justin Aboigby. Look, if I was this collection of 10 guys, you know, every circumstance is a little bit different. You see Dallas Turner, you see Kool-Aid and Terry on, and you see J.C. Latham as probably your four first-round draft picks. If I'm those guys, I'm showing up and I'm interviewing with the GMs and I'm going home. I'm showing up and I'm saying, okay, if you want to put me on the, I'll submit to some of the medical checks. Maybe you submit to them all, depending on how they all are, uh, how their health has been uh, since playing at the Capstone. But you basically go to talk to the GMs. You basically go to create a relationship, to put a smiling face in front of the people who are going to be drafting you. We all know there's going to be a pro day uh, after spring practice before before the NFL draft. So, like, if these guys do feel a sense of urgency to do drills, why don't they do them after spring practice a little further down the line, get prepared for them? The biggest thing right now and the biggest reason the combine is kind of an antiquated system and really probably a more detriment to these prospects than it is a positive to these prospects. Let's take a guy. Look, you all know that I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and we're just going to make this not an Alabama conversation. We're going to take a guy like Braxton Jones. Braxton Jones played at a small college and ended up being a seventh-round draft pick for, uh, for the Chicago Bears. He went and started all the games his rookie year, and then he had his offseason. Put yourself in these guys' positions. Let, let's say you are Jalen Key is a good example because Jalen Key is not a first-round draft pick. Uh, Jace McClellan might be another good example here. Now, Jace dealing with the, the stress fracture. Jermaine Burton, probably going to be a higher draft pick than, than, than I am anticipating, but he might be a guy that, you're, that falls into this category. Jalen Key is probably your best one-to-one uh, -one comparison. Jalen Key is going to be a late-round draft pick at best. So think about yourself. You're Jalen Key. You have played. You transferred from UAB. You got ready for the Alabama season. You played the Alabama season. And now the Alabama season ended, unfortunately, a little early, January 9th. You spent the, these last six weeks preparing for the, the NFL Combine, you know, getting your trainer to help you with your 40-time your start, getting, you know, getting your bench press up, you know, getting these little things, oh, helping your, you know, your trainer helping you run the three-cone drill, doing the lateral movements. Uh, so you spent the last six weeks 
preparing for the NFL Combine. He does and has his weekend, Jalen Key. And then, boom, the next five weeks, he's preparing for Pro Day. He's preparing for Pro Day, and he's flying around to different, uh, different, di- different. if you're good enough, you're flying around to different organizations doing private workouts. And sometimes those organizations are coming to you doing private workouts. They're putting you through the ringer. And then, boom, you get drafted, and you go right into rookie minicamp. And then you go right into regular camp. And everything is just rookie minicamp, minicamp, regular camp, NFL season. So a guy like Braxton Jones, a couple of years ago uh, for the Chicago Bears, he starts his rookie year, plays all 16 games, and basically he comes out after the season and says, thank God it's the offseason because I've been playing football for, uh, you get 12, 24 months straight. No offseason, no break here. Is this a point that's like, if you're Jalen Key? Are you better served going to the combine and performing well? Or are you better served taking these six weeks between the end of the Alabama season and the combine to rest and recover? Let's think about Jace McClellan. Jace might be a mid-round NFL draft pick. And Jace is a quality back. Is he going to be a, a, a running back one on anybody's team? Unlikely. But I'd say he's probably going to be a third, fourth, fifth round draft pick. And I think he's going to, you know, find himself a role in the NFL. But Jace ended the year with a stress fracture. Would you rather Jace McClellan, if you're an NFL team, bust his tail over the last six weeks and the next six weeks so that he can, you know, show that he's worthy of a fourth, fifth round draft pick. And then he's on the shelf for the next year. He's, he's on the shelf for the, his rookie season because his stress fracture never really did heal. We're hoping that's not the case, but you've got to give these guys some time to rest and recover from the season. It's not like they're playing, you know, tiddlywinks. This is a physical sport. And so the combine becomes a pointless exercise. It becomes basically, um, you know, the NFL is using it as a benchmark to see how mature these players are. We want to know, are you still in decent shape? Are like Basically, the, the drills are just kind of um, are just kind of there to to keep the keep the cattle prod to keep the you know to keep the cattle prod going on the prospects. You guys better make sure you know it's an NFL opportunity. But look, you see the you see guys every year bomb out on the drills and end up you know doing just fine. Oh my gosh! And don't even get us started on the Wonderlick that gets going and the O2 score, the S2 score that these that these players take to kind of measure their intellect. We know that it's not a direct correlation; it's one to one. So while the NFL and football so often, and this is going to be a little a little controversial, the NFL and football you see it a lot in college football. Oh, it's slavery! Uh, you get the team owner that kind of thing. You hear slavery dynamics thrown out a lot, and I think that's not really always fair, especially when it comes to college athletics. And and it's really, really, um, really, really, really disrespectful to, <laughs> to what the slaves endured here in, in here uh, in, in America. But the problem is like you throw the combine out there. It does kind of seem like a little bit of a, you know, meat market. We're going to put everybody right through. We're going to see who the fastest is, who the strongest is, who the tallest is. We're going to see who the smartest is, and then we'll make their our draft decisions off of that. But most of these general managers, you only use the, you, you, you use the combine time in Indianapolis to get to know guys, make relationships. I don't think anybody's getting dropped off draft boards for running – 
you know, the bad 40 time. And I don't really think anybody is getting uh, moved up draft boards for running a, or running a great 40 time. I think it's fun for fodder. I think it's great for the media. It gives the media a little more chance. It gives me a little more chance to talk about football because we all know that football is king here in Alabama and really throughout the United States. And so really that's all it is. It's the NFL using the combine to stay in the news and to kind of put its new players through a little bit of a ringer. I mean, it's not hazing, but it's not exactly uh, it's not exactly like it's not exactly like a job interview. Uh, it's a job interview with some physical requirements, and I guess obviously that's uh, that's par for the course when you're playing football professionally. Uh, but like, it's kind of like a job fair that only certain people get invited to. And then, oh, if you get invited, you've got to do all these weird things. I don't know. Is it fun for me to watch? And will I be watching? Sure, I'll be watching it. But does it matter at all for draft prospects? I don't think so at all. I don't think that if J.C. Latham puts up 30 reps on the bench press, that he's going to be the number one tackle on the board. I'm sorry. Olu Fashanu has probably got that that, that, that moniker right now. In Fashanu, if he goes to the to the combine, I haven't looked up the Penn State participants, but if, if Fashanu goes to goes to uh, goes to the combine and puts up five reps on the bench press, really really bad. I don't think that that's going to knock him down. Like I don't think it matters what you know between the two guys, J.C. Latham or Olu Fashanu. Look, their numbers could be J.C. Latham could beat him in every category. I'm sorry, the football film shows us or shows me that Olufashanu is a better tackle than J.C. Latham. Does that make J.C. bad? No, 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 no. But I think Fashanu is a blue chip prospect. And so you basically, this whole thing is made for TV. This whole thing is made for television to keep the NFL in the news. They want to have a monthly event throughout the 12 months, uh, really throughout the offseason, to stay relevant throughout the year and to steal the spotlight away. So you can follow the combine right there at BamaCentral.com. On Thursday, the players will start the drills, and that's really where uh, I guess the entertainment starts because we're not really allowed to be in the interviews, and we don't really see the medical reports. On Thursday, the defensive line and the uh, the defensive line and the edge rushers are going. Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner, and Justin Aboigby. This will all be on NFL Network. On Friday, the defensive backs will go. Jalen Key, Kuhn McKinstry, and Terry and Arnold. On Saturday, the skill position guys will go. That'll be J Jermaine Burton and Jason McClellan. And on Sunday, the offensive line will go. So that'll be your boy, J.C. Latham. So 10 guys will participate in the NFL Combine this weekend. Look, I think if I'm a prospect, I would go just for the tradition of it. But you got to be smart. You have to be smart about what you participate in. The only thing when you go up there, the only thing you can do is hurt your draft stock, hurt your draft stock and create relationships. So let's focus on the creating relationships and less on the hurting our draft stock. Avoid the things that hurt our draft stock. Let's go into the meetings with the general managers and the coaching staffs. And let's say yes, sir. And let's, uh, you know, show how smart you are and what you understand about football, what Nick Saban and the Alabama football program has taught you about football over the last three to four years. And, you know, and say yes, sir, and don't say, you know, basically say that you're a good guy, as most of these guys seem to be, and then decide for yourself about these drills if they're worth doing or not. To me, I think they're not worth doing. I think they might, you know, you get a little more worth doing if you're a fringe prospect, but I still think it's um, more of a dog and pony show than 
than a direct correlation to draft status and football ability. Uh, I think you, the tape that you put on film the last uh, the last three months in your college seasons is much, much more valuable than what you do in your underwear in Indianapolis over the course of three hours. All right, let's keep this bad boy going today, and we're going to talk about Alan Flanagan. If you don't know who Alan Flanagan is, that is A-OK. He plays basketball for the Ole Miss Rebels. He is a former Auburn Tiger, transferred from Auburn to uh, Ole Miss, and if you're living under a rock, Alabama's heading to Ole Miss on Wednesday. Big game, big game, because it's your next game, you know, and it's a big game based on what happened in the last game. But what you want to talk about here and is the inconsistency happening in Birmingham. Birmingham, Alabama, where the SEC League office happens, and you know, right up the road, people they often get accused of Bama bias. Let's go back five or six days. Let's go back about seven days uh, to last Wednesday night's game, Alabama against the Florida Gators. Uh, our man Muhammad Wagi is battling for a rebound, and basically people's elbow, uh, ground and pound style on Florida's uh, on one of Florida's forwards. Now, Muhammad Wagi was assessed a flagrant one uh, and then was suspended for Saturday's game against Kentucky by the conference office. I don't think that his presence or lack thereof affected the uh, affected the outcome too heavily on Saturday. Uh, but still, you're using the example here. Wagi, elbow on Wednesday, suspended on Saturday. Did I think the elbow was that bad? No, not really. But I, but people have come, come at me and said, Joe, you're just Bama bias there. It was bad. That's what they're saying to me. Oh, Joe, you're just defending your guy because, you know, you like him. It was bad. It was worth multiple games. You had a lot of people go out there and say multiple game suspension, suspend him the rest of the year. The SEC gives him one game, and that's probably fair because – I don't know if that was that bad, but, you know, he did elbow the guy. All right, Alan Flanagan on Saturday's game, Ole Miss is playing. Who the heck did they play? Uh, Were they playing state Ole Miss basketball? Or they playing Arkansas? Uh, They were playing on Saturday, uh, and Alan Flanagan in the middle of the game uh, is coming down the lane on offense and basically just out and out forearm shivers his uh, his defender right in the face. Uh, They, yeah. They played South Carolina. They played South Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, and forearm shivers his defender right in the face. And it was like blatant. The offensive play had barely even started. There was not really any scrum at uh, scrum happening. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe they did, that is my Bama biased on Muhammad Waigi. But those guys were fighting for a rebound. Those guys were going kind of for a loose ball. Alan Flanagan goes down the lane and basically decides, oh, now's a good time to just boom, elbow right in the face of his South Carolina defender. Uh, the SEC, the conference office reviewed it and said no suspension. Look, I'm not really here to talk and say let's suspend everybody because heat of the moment is kind of how I defined or chalked up the Muhammad Wagi uh, elbow. And so we'll say Alan Flanagan was just feeling himself. Heat of the, heat of the moment. It was a, a competitive spirit overtook him. Uh, but come on, my, my, my beef is not with Alan Flanagan. Uh, no. My beef is with the conference office. This was blatantly on film, just like the Muhammad Wagi incident. And honestly, and this might be my glasses here, but I think that uh, the Alan Flanagan elbow was much more egregious, much more egregious and more violent now. The South Carolina player didn't have his head hit against the floor like the Florida player did when Muhammad Wagin rained down the elbow from above, but you still went basically cold-cocked out of nowhere, elbow to the face. 
And so you say, oh, go back to last week. Muhammad Wagia only suspended one game. Look, the conference office giving Bama bias, blah, blah, blah. They're protecting Alabama. And it's like, oh, what a load of hooey. What a load of hooey. Because if the conference office wanted to protect Alabama, like, I don't believe in the Bama bias. And maybe that is my glasses. I don't believe in the Bama bias. But I also, on the flip side, you hear it nationally saying, oh, you guys are uh, SEC fatigue, Bama fatigue. You see that a lot when, 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 when uh, you know, when an Alabama player gets left off a list or, you know, somebody doesn't get recognized for an award that, that, that people or people are you know, ranked lower in the polls than, than uh then maybe the people in Alabama think they should be. You get, oh, Bama, Bama fatigue. I don't think that's true either. I think the conference office just messed up. I think they dropped the ball here. Uh, so Alabama is going to go to Ole Miss tomorrow, and you'll see Allen Flanagan, and fine, no big deal. Ole Miss needs all the help that they can get. They really do. And maybe that was at play. Look, I'm not going <laughs> to – I don't know that. But maybe that was at play uh, when the conference was making this decision. Or was it? Oh, Ole Miss is playing Alabama next at home. If we take Alan Flanagan off their roster, it's going to probably not be a good day for them. I mean, let's just be honest with ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. Muhammad Wagi, was he really that important to the wins and to the win or loss at Kentucky? No, no, he wasn't. Uh, you look at uh, you look at Alan Flanagan though. Let me pull up his individual stats here. Alan Flanagan uh, for the for the Ole Miss Rebels. He's started in all twenty seven games. Unlike Muhammad Wagi, he is twenty seven percent from the three point line. Not so great. Almost twenty eight percent. And he is let's see scoring points. Boom 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 boom. Uh, he's averaging fifteen point two points per, per game. You know, he's averaging six point six and a half rebounds per game. So he's one of the better rebounding guards as well. Uh, so you take Alan Flanagan off the floor uh, from an SEC perspective. Do you lose your entertainment value for your Wednesday night game? There surely was not any of that uh, going on in the conversation rooms when deciding if Alan Flanagan was going to get uh, if Alan Flanagan was going to get suspended or not. So uh, that's just an aspect of tomorrow night's game. I think the the conference office definitely dropped the ball with inconsistencies. Look, if you're going to suspend Wuggy, that's fine. No big deal. Uh, then you need to go ahead and, and suspend Flanagan as well. I think that's very, very important to, to remain consistent. All right. Uh, let's keep it going. We're at 25 minutes, and I want to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk fighting some more. Let's talk fighting some more, and then if we have more time, we'll go into uh, we'll go into Alabama's pod for the for for its projected pod for the NCAA tournament. Look, here's the deal. Tomorrow we're gonna do three two one. Tomorrow we're gonna do three two one, and it's going to be a Nick Saban themed three three two one. Uh, so anybody who is listening for today, listen for that. It's gonna happen tomorrow, and tomorrow it's gonna be what are the three biggest wins? Not by Alabama in the Saban era that helped Alabama. Obviously, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about uh, everything that happened in the 2011 season that helped Alabama get back into the uh, playoff or get back into the BCS picture. I'm thinking about everything that happened in the 2015 season that fourth down conversion from Arkansas. Uh, what are the three biggest outside of Alabama games? Al Al Alabama wins three biggest results that helped the Alabama dynasty. Number two for for tomorrow is going to be what are the two most important losses? in the Alabama dynasty. And then obviously number one, well, maybe not obviously, but number one, we're going to say who is the one 
best player in the Saban dynasty. You got four Heisman Trophy winners to pick from, or you can go off the board and go somebody who doesn't have a bronze bust, uh, who is the best player in the Nick Saban era. So that's what's going to be for 3-2-1 tomorrow. The three biggest wins by non-Alabama teams, the two most important losses, and the one best player in the Saban era. That'll be tomorrow on the program. Now, let's talk about fighting. Yeah, over the weekend, Cam Newton got himself into a fight. Cam Newton was jumped, is what it looked like, at his camp. Uh, And so that happens. That was unfortunate. That was terrible. Why would you fight Cam Newton? That sounds very, very dumb. He's six foot six, 250. You know, he's retired, so he's probably not 280 anymore, but not anyone you want to trifle with. And so it made me think about, okay, are there any NFL quarterbacks that he would trifle with? Not really, but there are a few. And then it made me think, well, what about the Alabama guys? I have four Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Tua Tungabailoa, and Bryce Young. Are all four of them in the, ooh, I don't want to mess with you category? Or would you fight any of them? Look, here's a list of uh, several guys, starting quarterbacks in the NFL, that, uh, look, I don't think would kill you in a fight. I think you, you, know, you might stand, the average Joe would stand a chance against. Now, you won't stand a chance against Josh Allen. You won't stand a chance against Justin Herbert. You won't stand a chance against Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson, superior athletes with superior size that the average Joe just cannot deal with. Maybe Zach Wilson. You can deal with Zach Wilson. You can get your boy Bailey Zappi. These are some quarterbacks I think if you found yourself in a tangle with, in a scrap, you would uh, be able to walk out and tell the tale. Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Derek Carr were all on my quick list. Zach Wilson, Bailey Zappi, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Derek Carr. All right. Are there any Alabama guys, any of the four Alabama quarterbacks that you think, okay, you know what? If this guy looked at me the wrong way and I found myself in a fight with him, I'll feel okay. Look, the obvious easy answer is skinny boy Mac Jones. But I don't think that's the right answer. I think the right answer is the rookie from last season, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young. And basically all due to his stature. Bryce is not a big guy. Uh, Mac's not a big guy either, but he's not little by any means. Bryce is uh, right at six foot. You know, right at six foot, 220, you know, 210 pounds or so. Uh, I think the average Joe, if you found yourself in a fight with Bryce, with Bryce Young, would live to tell the tale. Why is Mac Jones on the list of quarterbacks I don't want to mess with? Because I think Mac Jones is a dirty SOB. In a fight, in a competitive situation, I think Mac Jones is taking the beer bottle off the bar and smashing your head over it, uh, smashing you in the head with it. I think Mac Jones is the guy to uh, give you the give you the low blow if it is uh, is there to be had. Uh, and so, because of that, while he's not overly athletic, I think his competitive spirit is uh, otherworldly, and that's probably what has driven him to this point in the, in his career. And so, for that reason, the competitive spirit I think is Mac Jones' most elite trait as an athlete, as a professional quarterback. And because of that, that's not a guy I don't think you want to mess with. I think Mac Jones would embrace the fight aspect, embrace the, oh, if we're here, I'm going to drag you into the seven depths of hell. And Mac Jones would, you know, you might find yourself with some hair ripped out. You're definitely getting a black uh, black eye. You probably got a bite mark somewhere on your body. I don't know if I would be messing with Mac Jones. Uh, And similarly, look. It's obvious you're not messing with Jalen Hurts, Mr. 600-pound squat, Mr. Tush Push, nobody can stop me. So Jalen Hurd, superior athleticism. He was a high school state champion weightlifter. Nobody that I want to mess with. And Tua Tagovailoa might have made my list of quarterbacks I could fight. 
two years ago. Last summer, Tua Tagovailoa takes judo lessons because he wants to learn how to fight. Well, I'm sure or he wants to learn how to fall. Excuse me. Uh, I'm sure that learning how to fall wasn't the only part, the only lesson in those judo lessons. Uh, and Tua has thickened up. Uh, he's gotten a lot of muscle. He's got that dad bod muscle, and obviously a huge tattoo has shown that he is a tough, a tough son of a gun as well. I think Tua. Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones are the three Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL that you don't want to fight, while Bryce Young might be somebody that you could tangle with. All right, so last thing for us is looking at the pods. Joe Lenardi, Joe Lenardi released his newest uh, – his newest uh, – Oh my gosh! I just lost my lost my track my my, my tra track right there. Boom! Uh, Joe Lenardi just releases his latest bracketology, and Alabama is still a number three overall seed heading to Memphis on Monday. On at Joe Gaither six, we broke down on the Twitter machine the eight Alabama losses, all coming to top thirty offenses in Ken Palm. So it made me think. Okay, look, if Alabama wants to get back to the Sweet Sixteen, which is probably about right, a good little mark, uh, then you are gonna have to defeat the four teams in your pod. Well, right now there are five teams in your pod because uh, the, the two 11 seeds are, are kind of uh, projected in a play-in game. Here are the teams in the pod. Obviously, number three, Alabama, is uh, is paired up with number 14 seed, High Point. And then on the other side, you have six seed, Dayton, and they're going to take on the winner of 11 seed, Seton Hall, and 11 seed, Virginia. So these four teams, High Point, Dayton, Seton Hall, and Virginia, are your potential matchups in the round of 64 and the round of 32. If you get through them, you're in the Sweet 16. How do you feel? about these four teams. All right, high point. Look, people say, oh, 14 seed. They can see Ken Palm, 113 team in Ken Palm. And you're like, oh, great. You're going to wax that team. It's going to be no big deal. Uh, a little bit deeper there, a little bit deeper look. High point uh, currently has the number 30 offense in the country. What did we just say two minutes ago? Oh, Alabama's lost eight games to top 35 offenses in the nation. Oh my gosh, don't tell me that. The high, high point with the number 30 overall offense. Uh, does that put Alabama on upset alert right there in the first round? I'm going to say no, only because high point on defense is 252nd in the country. You're going to have to slow down Alabama a little bit if you're going to outscore them with the number 30 overall offense. Uh, the number 252 defense in the country means that Alabama is getting out of the first round. Now, all of this is hypothetical. We're a couple of weeks away from March Madness getting rolling, and we'll do this when the uh, brackets actually get released. But I'm actually concerned about the Dayton Flyers. The Dayton Flyers are currently the sixth seed in, in Alabama's little pod, Alabama's little re Memphis region. Uh, overall, 26th best team, according to Ken Palm. They have the 20th best offense. Oh, that's better than a high point. That's in the top 35 range where Alabama has had trouble. And the Dayton Flyers have the 63rd best defense in the country. Is that enough to slow down the Alabama offense to let the 20th best offense, the Dayton Flyers, beat you? Do you know how upsetting, how, look, this season's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, and there's a lot of great things to take away from the season. But if Alabama is eliminated in the round of 32 by the Dayton Flyers, who are coached by who? Avery Johnson? No. Anthony Bleepin' Grant? Oh, my God. That's two coaches ago. If Anthony Grant eliminates you in the round of 32, I want to say something really, really dramatic, but I don't have anything dramatic enough uh, off, off the top of my head. Like, it, it's, uh, that's a bad deal. That, 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 would, that would result, in my opinion, 
an underwhelming, that would be an underwhelming NCAA tournament to go out in the round of 32 to the Dayton Flyers. But Dayton has exactly what it will, has exactly what it would take to beat you. The top 35 offense and just enough defense, uh, number 63 in the Ken Palm rankings. All right, 11 Seton Hall and 11 Virginia. Now, Virginia uh, is overall 65. They have the 188th best offense in the country. They're probably going to score 40 points against you. They're terrible on offense, but defensively, the number ninth offense in the country. So they easily have the best offense or best defense, excuse me, the best defense in this pod uh, by far and away. Alabama is sitting there at 97, High Point at 252, Dayton at 63, and Seton Hall at 41. So Virginia has your best offense, but they have the worst defense in the pod at 188. I wouldn't be really worried if Seton Hall or Virginia ended up upsetting Dayton and you were able to get uh, Seton Hall or Virginia in the round of 32. Obviously, Virginia uh, has kind of the cachet, national championship cachet, but not nearly uh, not nearly talented enough offensively to keep up with you. You look at these four teams, and you look at the pod that Alabama is in, and you say, yes, Alabama should get to the Sweet 16. Alabama objectively is better than High Point, is better than Seton Hall, and is better than Virginia. They're more talented than Dayton as well. But you got to lock in on the defensive side of the floor. You have to. I mean, you're not going to get locked in. You have to step it up 5%. You have to care a little bit. Locked in, I'm sorry, you're probably not going to get to the level, of the, the Herb Jones level of the 2020 team that you know fought for every possession. What were they, number three in the country in defense? You're not going to get that. Coach Oates today in the Coleman Coliseum media room basically saying, We've got to get it to where these guys play defense as part of who they are. He said that they he thinks that they are going to play better defense tomorrow against the Ole Miss Rebels, but also chalked it up to embarrassment. He said, how could they not play? How could we not play better uh, than we did on, on Saturday? The guys are embarrassed. We need them to not be reactionary to say, oh, I got beat on the last play. I got beat on the last game. I got beat in the, you know, in the last half. I'm going to step it up because I'm embarrassed. We got to get the guys – Believing in the defensive end, and really, you don't have to get much out of them. The, the number one offense in the country, you just got to get a couple of daggum stops. A couple, not a whole lot. You got to stay in front of your man offensively, rebound the dang basketball, and don't give up open shots like you did on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun over there in Oxford tomorrow. We'll see if Latrell Wrightsell is available for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Coach Nato, it's today saying still day to day. A little bit concerning, but you do want to take all the time with head injuries and concussions. So tomorrow on the program, we're going to do 3 two, one Who are the, What are the three biggest non-Alabama wins, three biggest wins that helped the Alabama dynasty over the last 17 years? What are the two most important losses in the Nick Saban era? That from an Alabama perspective. And then who is the one, the best player that Nick Saban has ever coached? That'll be tomorrow's 3 2 1. We'll also get you a little more for, for, further uh, fired up for Alabama and Ole Miss on tomorrow's program. Uh, we'll keep you, get, we'll start getting you ready for the rest of the weekend. And here, we'll, well, maybe we'll catch up with our guys up at the combine, Joey Van Zimmeren uh, of Mizzou Central. We'll see if he's available to jump onto the program to talk about what he's seeing in the combine, the underwear Olympics, the pointless underwear Olympics that are really just there for the NFL to give you guys something to watch on TV. I'm a sucker. I'll watch it on TV, and we'll talk about it on the program right here on the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central and BamaCentral.com. You can follow the program at Joe Gaither 6 on all your social media machines. Subscribe, rate, and review at Joe Gaither 6 at the Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon. 
And we'll be back to talk about it all tomorrow right here on your favorite platform on Bama Central. BamaCentral.com. What a dismount. Thanks for joining us on today's edition of The Joe Gaither Show on Bama Central. Keep up with Joe on all his social media pages at JoeGaither6. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and be sure to read us daily at BamaCentral.com.